0: Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first.
1: You got me shaking
0: We are crossing something big off the list today, something that has been a goal for years. And I don't want to give anything away, so just stay with me, but this is a really important episode to me. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, this one will make a lot more sense if you go back and listen to episode one, but if you're like me, you're not going to, because You don't like being told what to do and you're already here. So here's a quick recap of the last episode. When we last left our heroine, she had removed her invisibility cloak and was attracting more male attention than she knew what to do with. One such male was a gentleman she sat next to on a plane, a flight that she wasn't even supposed to be on. She decided it was serendipity and that this man was going to be someone really special in her life. She turned out to be half right. He lived in Minnesota and she, me, the heroine is me, lives in California. They connected on Instagram at the end of the flight and started chatting. And so it began.
1: How do I find your podcast if I'm telling Alexa to play it?
0: At this point, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's listening to my podcast. He's referring to my previous podcast, obviously.
1: When my girls looked you up, they said, oh, she has curls.
0: And I'm thinking, oh, my God, his girls, he has two daughters, are looking me up. We chatted about energy and boundaries and all the things that I really love talking about and we talked about travel.
1: How hard would it be to get yourself to San Francisco or San Jose? It might be a better chance to expedite a first date if we could meet there for a night. Two rooms of course, that's if you want a first date, I guess. <laughs> I'm being a little presumptuous.
0: At that point, we set our first date in San Jose 5 weeks away because our schedules were crazy. Just that's how it worked out. Literally couldn't find a night that worked for both of us. So just at that moment when we're messaging, something catches my eye out my bedroom window. Fireworks. So I message him. There are actual fireworks from Disneyland happening as we plan our first date. I mean, it's probably nothing.
1: Oh, it's something.
0: Over the next couple of weeks, our conversation continues. He asks,
1: do you believe in serendipity? Absolutely.
0: He sends me photos of his girls and we flirt and chat. And honestly, I'm just liking him more and more just from messaging on Instagram. Then he sends me a photo of me from one of my Instagram posts and writes,
1: Big fan of this girl. That is such a sexy pic.
0: Oh, I have way sexier, but it's too early for those. I'm referring to the boudoir shoot that I did. There's this one photo that I really love of me. I thought about having it blown up and hung somewhere. But where do you hang a photo like that?
1: Someday, no rush. I've got a good imagination.
0: Exactly. Worth the wait. Never seen by the human eye. I took them for me.
1: You did? Good for you.
0: He tells me he listened to one of my podcast episodes and he listened all the way to the end. And I say, I think it's really sweet that you listened at all. It means a lot.
1: Full disclosure, if it had been shit, I wouldn't have. But it really resonated with me and you have a sexy voice.
0: So, of course, he starts some risque dialogue and I engage but I tell him that's not normally how I am. I just feel really safe with him.
1: Apparently you do. Wasn't that something you said about how you felt when we first met? Something about feeling safe or comfortable?
0: He's referring to the fact that when we met, I was terrified of the small plane that we were on and the thunderstorms that we were flying into. And he comforted me, a total stranger. And I felt really safe with him, like almost immediately, which is huge for me, feeling safe with someone, I don't let my guard down easily, probably a product of being hurt so badly in the past and of course being an attorney, but I just felt safe. So I reply, okay, at the risk of sounding like I've prematurely fallen in love with you, as you warned me is so prone to happen, which for the record has not happened, but I can see why it might for someone not as savvy as
1: I. That actually made me giggle out loud. You definitely are savvy.
0: At this point, I feel happy that he gets my sense of humor. So I go on to tell him about why I feel safe with him and how he basically helped me overcome my fear of flying or at least transform it from fear to excitement. The next day he replies to one of my Instagram stories. It's a photo of the beach that says, it's like a postcard up in here, 96 degrees today.
1: You tease, was this meant for me?
0: He had told me that it was snowing in Minnesota and that he was over it. So of course it was meant for him. Absolutely, did it work? It did. At that point, I figure I might as well just put it out there. So I say, I mean, it wouldn't be awful for you if you came here at some point. That being said, San Jose is the better option. I'm referring to his earlier question of if I could make it up to San Francisco or San Jose. Honestly, my preference would be a date in San Francisco, but San Jose is just a more convenient flight from Orange County. So I say hourly flights from John Wayne.
1: What airline? Work pays for my flights to San Jose. So the extra leg of the journey is an easy one.
0: I get kind of excited at this point and I'm a little bit like overly confident. So I say, Southwest, 79 bucks.
1: Well, that's absolutely a viable, cost-effective way to see each other.
0: At this point, I'm noticing that he's also thinking about ways to continue to see each other. So I feel hopeful. So of course I continue. Oh, it's also a short flight, like an hour. And he responds exactly like I hoped he would.
1: But could damn near just fly up there for a dinner date and fly back?
0: Pretty much. We talk about my boys and he asks a lot of questions. He tells me about going back to school and his plans. He tells me about the personal growth stuff he's working on, which is always just so hot for me. I love a man who's working on himself. He makes me laugh and I feel happy. It's still five more weeks until our first date, but we're talking quite a bit and I love it.
1: Good morning, beautiful.
0: I love those texts. We have some fun banter and he says,
1: You're fun. And I love your intelligence. So attractive when you can have serious and joking conversations and still be on the same page.
0: At this point, I'm just melting. I feel so seen and the things that I appreciate about myself are finally being seen and appreciated by someone I like so much. And then he adds,
1: You know how often I connect with someone like we have? I hope the answer is not often. Nearly never.
0: I feel excited and say, so I've been thinking about this for math purposes. I think we can count the flight as our first date. It was a blind date set up by the
1: universe. Sexy, funny, and now good at math.
0: We both decide we can't wait five weeks and we scour our schedules and try to find something sooner, but still nothing. So we keep chatting and I find myself thinking about him more and more, you know, in between messages, just. Driving all day long. It's funny because mentally, I think I'm staying unattached, but rereading all the messages as I'm preparing for this podcast, I can feel the giddiness from that time well up in me. I remember distinctly feeling the the magic of the connection. It felt like a dream. I felt like, how is this even possible? Whenever I tell someone that we met on a plane, they say, oh, it sounds like a movie. And honestly, It felt like one as someone that binged the Hallmark movies for like a full year after my divorce. This was exactly the meet cute that I had been dreaming of. So then he says, what have you
1: done to me? I'm so smitten.
0: And I think apparently he's feeling it, too. You did it to yourself. You almost let me leave the plane without getting a way to connect. You were just going to look me up.
1: Nah, I was just playing it cool.
0: He finally asks for my cell phone number because up until this point, everything has been through Instagram. I tell him it's a good thing he finally asks because I have a policy of not sleeping with men that I just chat with through Instagram. He immediately sends me a text. It's a video of a country music cover. I love country music of the song Stuck on You by Lionel Richie, which I also love. Wow. Totally moves me. We text late into the night. We talk more and we still want to try and find dates to see each other sooner, even though we've already checked our calendars twice. But he says he's determined to make it happen. So I tell him most months are not like this. April is a true anomaly. Like May is wide open and June and July. So if we like each other, it won't be hard to keep things up just to start them. Not that that makes it any better. He says,
1: that is so true. I was just thinking the same thing. When this gets started, we are in trouble.
0: Then he asks me if I want one room or two for our San Jose date. I tell him reluctantly that I think two rooms is the better option. We message for a couple more weeks, and I look forward to hearing from him every day. He skips a day here and there, but it's practically every single day, at least a response to an Instagram story. He texts, but almost all of our communication takes place through Instagram. He watches and comments on all my stories, and I start to expect that. Anytime I get a notification from him, I get a hit of dopamine. I just feel happy. And honestly, it had been a really long time since I had felt that way. So as time goes on, I realize I just want one room. I, at that point, had been really working on paying attention to my desires. And that had definitely become a desire for me. I figured I have less than 24 hours with this guy. I don't want to spend half of it away from him. I'm determined that I'm not going to have sex with him. but. I would like to sleep with him or next to him. A friend of mine sends me a link to a background check for just $9.99. I figure it's probably prudent. So I run the background check and find just speeding and texting while driving violations. I'm okay with this. I also learn he's a Capricorn. Of course, I immediately Google and learn we have compatible signs. Okay. Next step in my security plan, I set up a plan with one of my best friends. Her husband has law enforcement contacts in San Jose because he was a sheriff there. And so the plan is that I will share my cell phone location with her. And then also the name of the hotel and the hotel room number. She was a former federal prosecutor, so she's no nonsense. She does not mess around. And she says to me, You just say the word and I can have the SWAT team there. (laughs) So I feel like this is probably sufficient for a first date security detail. I feel confident that I have enough security measures in place to stay in a hotel room with this man. And then I rationalize to myself that people go to strangers' homes without knowing them all the time. Now, I'm not suggesting that you do any of this, but I've talked to people who have told me that they've gone to people's homes or they've had people over And so, my rationale is that someone is much more likely to kill someone in the privacy of their own home than a public hotel. So, at the time, again, this sounds legitimate to me. There's no evidence to support this. Please don't use this rationale yourself. This is one of those examples of do as I say, not definitely not as I do. So, I message him and tell him that I've been thinking a lot about it and I decided. I just want one room.
1: You're bold.
0: He responds. The messaging continues, and I just can't wait to be with him. But as the day approaches, I start to worry that maybe he has the wrong impression. Does he think that I'm saying that I want to sleep with him and that's why I want one room? So I decide I'll feel better if I talk to him and clarify so he doesn't feel like it's a bait and switch, you know? At this point, we haven't spoken once on the phone, though, since the flight. I'm a little apprehensive to ask for a call, but our date is a week away. And so I text him and ask if we can talk, like on the phone. He responds immediately and offers to call right away, which feels really good. It feels really good that he's so responsive. So when he calls, I tell him that I'm not really the type of person who engages in casual sex. I have no expectations, he says. He says that he's going to be in San Jose for work and he's going to go to dinner and then he'd be happy to have my company, but he's not expecting anything. So I feel relieved and my conscience is clear. And later he texts me just to let me know that he's good with what we discussed, which feels really good too. So finally, finally, finally the day arrives. And as I'm packing, I grab my phone, close my eyes and ask, give me a sign. How's the date going to go? And then I push shuffle on my iTunes music app. I love doing that, just asking for a sign from the universe. Give me a song, let me know. The song, Best Day of My Life, comes on and I feel like this is a very good sign. As I'm about to order my Uber, he texts me.
1: What time do you fly out tomorrow?
0: You're already ready to get rid of me? I
1: have to be at the Giants' day game. I just didn't want to completely be ditching you. Lucky. Well, I was wondering, should we go to tonight's game? Or dinner, drinks, hanging out. I'm totally game for either. Although
0: I do love the Giants.
1: That's the plan then. I'll grab tickets, bring your tennis shoes. This is gonna be so much fun.
0: Good thing I haven't left yet. I have a dress and heels packed.
1: Totally your pick. I don't wanna mess up the plan.
0: No way, I love your plan. So I quickly grab a change of clothes and book the Uber. At this point, I'm pretty much floating on cloud nine. I absolutely love baseball games and going to San Francisco and Giant Stadium feels like a dream. I had wanted a date in San Francisco, so it feels like I manifested this. Be my life. My life. I land and Uber to the hotel. I literally can't contain my excitement, but also my nerves like What am I doing? This is definitely very far outside my comfort zone, not something that I would normally do, like ever. I'm such a worrier. I always go to the worst case scenario. Like, this is a stranger that I'm going (laughs) to share a room with. But I walk into the small hotel lobby and then I see him. Oh my God, he's better looking than I remembered. He's waiting at the elevator with these two other men. He sees me and gives me a big smile, and he has a gorgeous smile. The two men get into an elevator and then he grabs me and sweeps me into the other empty elevator. I think he's going to kiss me. He doesn't. Instead, he gives me a big hug. I'll take it. We get to the room and he shows me around. Two beds, I say? Not on purpose, he laughs. He asks if I need anything and then says, we better get going. We have an hour train ride from San Jose to San Francisco. Just then, he nonchalantly Pulls his shirt off over his head. Oh my God, he has tattoos. Seriously, he is so sexy. Then he throws on a t shirt and a puffer vest, and I'm just like, oh my God, he looks so good. We leave the hotel and head to the train station. He takes my hand as we walk quickly to the station, buy our tickets, and get settled in on the train. The train ride feels so comfortable. I lean up against him and grab onto his arm. We chat and laugh and exchange stories and jokes, and it just feels so good. I put my head on his shoulder, and then I tell him a dirty joke that I'd heard recently, and he loves it. He throws his head back and laughs heartily. I love his smile and his laugh. I feel electrified. Honestly, that could have been our whole date, just riding the train. I didn't even need the Giants game at that point. I just wanted to be with him making him laugh and watching his reactions. (laughs) It's funny looking back that I still thought I wasn't attached, that I was playing it cool to some degree. We get to the stadium and he wants to make sure we have our drinks and food.
1: What do you like to drink?
0: Honestly, I just usually drink champagne. He's determined to find champagne for me and we do. And then he asks,
1: And what do you like to eat?
0: Meat. I reply,
1: The seats we have are really great seats. And so we can get food in the lounge.
0: We take the escalator to get there. I'm on the step above him and look down at him. Just then he kisses me and says,
1: That's my first first kiss on an escalator.
0: Mine too, I reply. We get to the lounge and I take two hot dogs. No buns. Hot dogs and champagne. Perfect. We walk down and have seats in the dugout area. Second row. Like, seriously, these seats are insane. And I'm just thinking... How is this real life? This is literally the best first date I've ever been on already. I think back to the song from the iTunes shuffle, best day of my life, or maybe it was best date of my life. We leave the game right before it ends to grab an Uber on the hour long drive back to San Jose. I just drape my legs over his lap. We chat and he rubs my legs. Time flies. Was that really an hour? We get out and go up to our room, (laughs) our room. Oh, my God. Finally, I'm going to get to really kiss him. I feel like my heart is going to burst out of my chest. I sit on the bed and then I lie back as I watch him take his vest off. I look at him and think, this feels so easy. Just at that moment, he looks up at me and says,
1: You're so easy to be with.
0: I don't know what's happening, but I'm totally blissed out. He comes over and kisses me. Hard. We make out. And I reiterate twice that I'm not sleeping with him. He's respectful. Okay, so now what? We decide to put on Top Gun. I change into my pajamas, and as he stands in front of the closet, he looks at me and says,
1: That's fine, but I sleep naked.
0: And proceeds to strip down and walk over to the bed. Are you kidding me? I say out loud after I get a look at him. That's not even fair. He looks like the David. Except one tiny difference. He smiles and slips under the covers. I keep my PJs on. We watched Top Gun and make out again. I can't keep my hands off of him. I was so in. Hands down, best first date ever. And I had been on more than 20 first dates. Yes, I counted since my divorce. And this was the first time that I felt like there was even a possibility of a future that I'd want. Maybe it was him or maybe it was my timing. But I was in the mindset of maybe, maybe this time, maybe this guy. Chemistry, connection, comfort. We had it all. The next morning, let's call it our third date. Again, if the plane could technically count as a first date and the baseball game was our second date, then breakfast the next morning should count as a third date. He seemed a little distant. I couldn't really read him and I started to feel a little anxious. Was he really already ready to get rid of me? As I was packing, he asked if I wanted to keep the San Francisco Giants blanket he had bought at the stadium the night before. And I'm a fool for a good souvenir. I get to keep the blanket? Hell yes. As we ate downstairs, though, he asked me,
1: So what's our second date?
0: As soon as he said those words, I felt my body relax. Okay, so he does want to see me again. How about seeing Top Gun 2? I asked. He loved that idea. It was coming out the following month, and we both were really excited for it. Where? Minnesota, California, someplace in the middle? We agreed to figure it out. We went back up to the room, cuddled until it was time for me to leave, and then he walked me downstairs. I had a friend picking me up for coffee and taking me to the airport, so he kissed me goodbye, and I could feel that he really did want to see me again. Later, while at coffee with my friend, he texted me,
1: I had a great time.
0: I flew home so happy. And I had a comedy show that night. It was my first time back on stage in two years and with all new material that hadn't been tried before an audience yet and that I had just written. I was so afraid that I'd forget it all. I hadn't written any new material in years, so I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But meeting this guy on the plane that day somehow magically inspired me to start writing again. I started writing about dating and how crazy the whole thing made me. He was effectively my muse. As I drove to the show, I got a flurry of texts
1: from him. Ready? You got this. You were made for this. I'm so impressed by you.
0: What kind of life was this? Back on stage with comedy that he inspired and his support? It just felt magical. I texted him after to let him know how it went. Okay, I killed it, I said. He was so excited. He asked if he could call and wanted an entire play-by-play of the whole thing. We talked for an hour. He was so happy for me and truly interested in the whole process. I felt so supported. At one point he said,
1: I've been wondering about how I can love and support you. I even wondered if I should fly down for the show, but I don't want to make you nervous.
0: Wait, did he say love? That's early. Maybe it's the alcohol. I was pretty sure he had been drinking. The weeks that followed, though, were a bit of a roller coaster. I'd hear from him, but it was spotty and it was a lot less than what we had been doing before. He didn't mention anything about planning a second date at all. And my coach was concerned. She said, you're long distance and you're just in the beginning of the relationship. You should be talking more, not less. It started to feel yucky. We weren't even in an actual relationship yet. I thought, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I should just go back to how it was, alone with my heart closed. That felt better. But did it? I understood that old wounds were being triggered and I had an opportunity. Look at them, face the discomfort and grow or go backwards. And if you know me, you know I'm always going to pick growth. So I headed into the discomfort. And honestly... (laughs) It wasn't so uncomfortable to continue to head in his direction. I realized that I had a habit of putting men on pedestals. I put the whole damn concept of love on a pedestal. Who's ever going to live up to that? Lots of triggers were coming up and the anxiety was real. I decided "Mm, maybe I have anxious attachment style. So I hired a trauma healer to work with me to rewire my nervous system. And it started to help. Because I didn't want to project anything onto this relationship or honestly, any other relationship that might happen in the future. Then that day, I posted a video of my comedy performance that had been recorded from, you know, the show. And he saw it and loved it and told me he sent it to his two daughters. And then he called me. At this point, it had been six weeks since we met. And we'd only seen each other twice in person. The first time was the plane. The second time was our date a week ago in San Jose. And we'd only talked on the phone twice. The first was the 10 minute call when I told him I didn't want to sleep with him. And the second one was the hour long call a week before after my comedy show. And that night we spoke for over an hour. During the call, he said that he wanted to use his airline points to fly his best friend and his best friend's girlfriend out to Orange County to drink wine and write comedy with me. He assured me that I would love them. I'd love that, I said. But then he ended the call by thanking me for my friendship. My friendship? What does that mean? Is he trying to tell me something? I felt totally confused, but I decided it's probably nothing. Um, Good relationships have friendship, so I'm just going to let it go. The next day, he texted that he had told his best friend they were coming to Orange County to drink wine and write comedy, and his friend was in. Okay, so not Top Gun 2, but this is a fun second date. More time went by and the communication waned again. I started to think that maybe I couldn't do this. Unfortunately, my feelings were already so strong. I was all in and it definitely didn't feel reciprocal. It was obvious that I just wasn't a priority to him and I felt more like an option than a choice. So I started to write notes to him in the notes section of my phone, notes that I had no intention of sending, but just so I could get the thoughts out of my head. The notes told him that I appreciated meeting him and that I was so grateful and that I just couldn't do the long distance thing. Every time I would write something, I'd let the feelings pass and not take any action. Except my coach wanted me to address the issue with him and not just let it taper off. She encouraged me to ask for another phone call to clear the air. I wrote out exactly what I intended to say on our call and texted him. He replied immediately again, and I felt happy that he was responsive still.
1: Tonight? Tomorrow?
0: Then he messaged.
1: I don't think our plan for a date is going to work with my schedule.
0: My heart sank. Like, ever? Or what did he mean? So I opted to speak that night. I just needed the anxiety to be over. I drove down to the beach to have this conversation. I wanted to feel safe and peaceful. It was like 8 p.m.
1: Hey, how was your day? What's up?
0: I grabbed my notes and read them verbatim. I started to cry before I could even get the words out. I said, I've had a pattern of rejecting people before they could reject me. I don't think that's what's happened here, but in the interest of growth, I have to say this. To be clear, I like you a lot. And that doesn't scare me to say, even with what I'm about to say next. What I think has happened is that you've just lost interest. It happens. There's nothing I can do about that. This is not me trying to do anything about that. This is just me healing and breaking old patterns so that I can eventually find my person. And it doesn't have to get weird. I don't take it as rejection, just preference. Don't get me wrong, it feels awful, but I don't take it personally. You don't owe me a reason. I'm not asking for an explanation. I just wanna know if what I've been feeling is right. Is this done? And then the paper says, silence. I wrote essentially, shut up and stop talking. Are you done? He asks, yes. He proceeds to tell me that his feelings haven't changed, but that he's spent some time wondering about us because he just doesn't see how things can work with the distance. And the way he sees it, we either get hurt now or grow even closer and get more hurt later. I tell him that I'd rather risk it and be more hurt later. We haven't even had a second date. What if we don't like each other, I ask. What am I even talking about? I'm all in and I don't even fucking know it. We talk for an hour and a half. He FaceTimes me and finds it amusing that I'm at the beach. He shows me around his house and seems really happy that we cleared the air. Honestly, I'm shocked. Driving to the beach, I definitely expected things to be over. So I make a mental note that my pattern is to expect the worst with relationships. After the call, he texts me.
1: Looking forward to date number two. And I'm sorry I gave you the impression I didn't want it. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I always do.
0: A couple more days go by and I don't hear anything. Anxiety starts to creep in again. And I understand this is my issue, but I just can't handle it. I start to write him another note. I basically tell him that I agree with his assumption that there's no future here and that I'm an all-in or all-out kind of person. I continue that I think holding on to hope that it could happen after maybe another date or another month of texting is not going to serve me. I write it. I don't send it. I feel a little better. And then the next night, he texted that his girls were asking about me and that he told them all about our conversations and our plans. He said they wanted to come out to Orange County and meet me and asked if I'd be interested in going to an Angels game with them. And then my burglar alarm went off. He texted and asked if he could call, but I was busy with the alarm company. He texted,
1: you need me there and we can make this work.
0: And then added,
1: if all goes well, your man will be there sooner than you think.
0: I noted the premature use of your man. He's not my man yet, but I want him to be. And there I was, high again. I felt hopeful and happy. And then a couple days later, I got a message from him on Instagram. Do
1: you have the boys this weekend? No. Got plans? No. Why? Want to fly to Minneapolis and see Morgan Wallen and Eric Church with me? Um,
0: of course. I bought my ticket and our second date or fourth, depending on which math you're using, was planned just like that. But even during the time between buying my plane ticket and flying out five days later, there was some turbulence. He called to give me the opportunity to cancel since the customers he was taking with us to the concert backed out. And he said he could sell the tickets for a bunch of money. And then later, he messaged me on Instagram to ask a vague question about not living by his own advice and feeling broken. I wanted to know more and be there for him, but he didn't expand. Just said he had needed a full day to process some stuff from the past and was good. My intuition said it had something to do with another woman, but if he had processed it, I felt okay with it. I still had stuff to process about my ex and that didn't have any bearing on my feelings for him. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt. The night before I'm about to fly out, he texts.
1: I need to stop telling people about you. If this doesn't go well, I'm going to look like a dumbass.
0: Do you think it won't go well?
1: Oh gosh, no. My fear is it will go extremely well. Can I call?
0: I say yes, of course. He tells me he's with work people, but he's so excited to see me. He tells me all the things I want to hear. He says that he's been planning a big steak dinner for me the night I get in and has been talking and scheming with his best friend, the one who was planning to fly out to write comedy, about my visit. He says,
1: There are a lot of people out here who can't wait to meet you.
0: He tells me that I'm going to meet his two daughters and his stepson and then also his best friend on either Friday night or Sunday brunch, since we'll be busy with the concert on Saturday. And then he has to go. His work people have spotted him. As I'm boarding the flight, I get a text from him with a picture of him and his daughter. God, he looks so good. We're ready for you. It says, since yesterday, the plan has changed. He's not making dinner because a customer canceled and they're not using his tickets to the twins baseball game. So we're going to go and his girls are going to go with us. I'm totally okay with this plan.
1: I'll have to make you steak another time.
0: I arrive and he and his daughter are waiting. I give him a big hug and jump up in his truck. We drive straight to the game. The game is fun and his daughters are lovely. We have a great time. And then after the game, head back to his house. His daughters are staying with their mom. So we have the house to ourselves. He shows me around and then asks what I want to do. He has a basement with a mini movie theater and asks if I want to watch a movie. I say, I do. He asks if I want to watch Top Gun again. I say, I do. (laughs) We start watching the movie About halfway through, I ask him to pause it. Just for a second, I say. And then I climb into his lap, put my arms around his neck and kiss him. Ugh, I really wanted to do that. We start to make out. He wants to have sex. Caught in the moment, I say, I just want it to mean something. He stops and pulls away and makes a face. What? I say.
1: I'm just surprised that it wouldn't.
0: We continue kissing and then go back to the movie. After about a minute, I ask him to pause it. I say, You don't have to say anything, but I just want to clarify. Of course it would mean something to me. I just meant I wanted it to mean something to you. I kind of trail off at the end and get quieter. I feel embarrassed. He turns back and unpauses the movie. He proceeds to fall asleep. I nudge him awake and we go up to bed. I notice there's a coaster on the guest side of the bed. I find myself wondering if it's always there or left there from the last guest, or maybe he just put it there for me preemptively. Within minutes, he's snoring soundly, but I can't sleep. These days, I have really bad insomnia. My doctor thinks it's hormonal and says, since I'm getting to that age, fuck you, doc, I'm not getting to that age. Anyway, I'm wide awake. I love it here. I love laying next to him. I can really see a future with this guy. I don't know how it would work, but if we both wanted to make it work, we could do it. I drift in and out of sleep, but I spend a lot of time just being there and thinking. I'm always thinking. I start thinking about what it would be like to allow myself to have sex with this man. It had been five years since I'd been with anyone. Yeah, the last man that I had slept with was my ex-husband, and Yes, I'd been out with a lot of men, but not many made it past the first date. And although there were opportunities, I wanted to be special and I did want it to mean something. I had started to get a little bit of a complex about how long it had been. It was like a monkey on my back that I was eager to rip off. I thought about it. What would it take to feel safe enough to let myself sleep with this man? I started to analyze and overthink because that's what I do. But by morning, I had decided that the only reason I wasn't letting myself sleep with him was that I was trying to control how hurt I would feel if things didn't work out. And I decided that I wanted to be all in and that I really wanted to be with him in that way. I decided that I can't stop myself from things I desire for fear of getting hurt or I'm going to miss out on a lot of life. So when he wakes up, I tell him what I've decided. I say, the only reason I wasn't sleeping with you was because I thought I could control how hurt I would get, but I don't want to live like that. He misses the point and says,
1: so You've talked yourself into sleeping with me? Ugh.
0: I feel like it was a breakthrough and I'm being vulnerable. Like, yes, Rachel, follow your desires. You don't always have to play it so safe. He kisses me and then he looks at me and I nod. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes, I nod. Looking back, I cringe like, geez, Rachel, why didn't you just say enter? You may proceed. But I was still in my head. And honestly, I was terrified. I don't really remember much of it. I think it was like an out of body experience, which is probably the worst time to leave your body. I wasn't actually expecting it to happen right that moment. I was just kind of sharing where I was. After it was done, I wasn't sure what to do. I think I mumbled something like that was amazing because I remember a friend telling me you're supposed to give positive feedback. Seriously, I felt like such a beginner. Definitely not my best work, but I figured I'd have plenty of opportunities to redeem myself. And I had dreamed of having a partner that I could learn and explore and like really open up to and with. He was looking at me. I was still in my head. Back in the saddle, I say to him and smile. Jeez, Rachel, you might as well have high-fived him. (laughs) We're going to have to work on this. He goes and gets me coffee. This is my dream. My man bringing me coffee in bed. I could cry. He jumps in the shower. He's planning all the things he needs to do that day. He's in the process of building retaining walls for a new pool in his backyard, and it's really stressing him out. He wants it done by summer so his daughters can enjoy it. And with his travel schedule and work and also being back in school, he feels really behind. He had told me that he'd need to do some work on the yard while I was in town visiting. And so I brought my laptop because I figured, well, I can work on my podcast and my comedy. And honestly, I didn't mind sitting in the backyard and working while he worked. It seemed like perfection, actually. Instead, he says, I'm going to learn from you to take breaks and relax. What if we go see Top Gun 2 like we had originally planned for our second date? We had both seen the movie by this time, but I loved this idea so much. I had been imagining us seeing it together for weeks because I was trying to manifest it. So this also felt like a manifestation realized. First, we had to brunch. He insists on opening the passenger door for me to his truck. We get to the restaurant. It's a dive bar kind of place. And we sit at the bar. He orders a screwdriver for himself. And I decide to get a mimosa. They have bottomless mimosas, although I'll probably only have one, max two. They have this gambling thing called pull tabs. And he asks if I want to play. Sure. I give him $20 and he buys $40 of pull tabs. I think we win like five bucks. He tells me he's figured things out.
1: Next time I go to San Jose for work, I'll go Tuesday to Thursday and then I'll fly down to you and spend Friday to Monday or Sunday with you.
0: I feel excited. I can already picture all the places that I'd want to take him and all the things we can do at my house. I definitely finally want to use the pizza oven and sit by the fireplace outside and drink wine and swim naked in the pool. Finally, I have someone to do that with. After that, we go to the movie. And on the drive there, he looks at me, smiles, and tells me how happy he is. When we get to the theater, he goes to the bar to order a drink and tells the bartender, do you call the person that serves drinks at a movie theater a bartender? Anyway, he tells her proudly our story, as he calls it. We met on a plane. We cuddle in the theater and watch the movie together. I think it's even better the second time, but I think that's because I'm with him. I think anything would be better with him. How did I get so lucky? This never happens to me. I never get the guy. I feel so happy. After the movie, we stop at the liquor store and get some alcohol and a bottle of champagne and then go back to his house. And he wants to get working on the yard. I grab my laptop and sit on the deck and watch him work. He's so sexy. A man working on his house? But I turn to my work. At that point in time, this podcast was going to be called The Rachel Bird Show. So, I'm studying the six cover art options that my virtual assistant had sent me. But then, soon his stepson and his stepson's girlfriend come over. Since the customers who were supposed to come to the concert canceled, he asked me if it would be okay if he invited them. And I said, Of course. He continues to work and I chat with them. We laugh and get to know each other. And then he's done working. He walks over, grabs the champagne, and says, We should christen the pool. He opens the champagne and takes a big swig out of the bottle. It just feels effortless. On the way to the concert, we stop into a bar and get a drink. I say something and he kind of snaps at me. Hmm, that's weird, I think, but let it go. While waiting to get into the stadium, he's looking around. He tells me that a bunch of his customers will be there and, you know, he has to interact with them. But then he sees his hairdresser, this gorgeous woman, and her boyfriend, and he takes off to chat with them, leaving me behind with his stepson and his girlfriend. He comes back and we go to grab drinks. He's pissed. We picked the wrong line and it's really slow. Finally, we have our drinks. He's ordered a double and a single Captain and Coke. And I have something in a can. A spritzer, maybe? I'm not a big drinker, but there's been a lot of drinking this weekend. Our seats are insanely good. Fourth row, I think. I had never heard of Morgan Wallen before he invited me. And I only knew one song by Eric Church, which is actually a favorite of mine but I had binged all their songs for the week leading up to the concert. And so by that night, I was obsessed and super excited to hear them all live. The concert was amazing, amazing. Eric Church is amazing in concert. Although at this point, his intrigue with me seemed to be fading. He saw someone that looked familiar a couple rows up and had to go talk to the guy. It was bugging him that he couldn't place him. He came back a long while later. I know him from poker, he said. Next, he left to go get more drinks and asked if I wanted to go or stay. I stayed. There wasn't a band playing at the moment, but I didn't feel like pushing through all the people. He had asked me if I wanted anything, but when he got back, he said he only had two hands. So again, he had gotten himself two drinks. As I said, I'm not a big drinker, so I didn't mind not having a drink, but it seemed like something was definitely off. Eric Church comes on. He's singing along, and then he starts dancing with me. He says to me,
1: There's no one I'd rather be here with than him.
0: Pointing to his stepson. His stepson is a huge Morgan Wallen fan, and it's fun to watch him watch his stepson enjoying himself. He's in his early 20s and wearing a belt buckle that flips down into a drink holder. I think he's hilarious. I feel happy because originally he was going to sell the tickets, but I feel like it worked out. But then he says, No one. And then he emphasizes.
1: And that includes you.
0: I feel like maybe he's confused. Why would he say it like that? And then he says it again. The same thing. All of it.
1: And that includes you.
0: Wow. Okay. But then he takes one of the two baseball caps that his stepson had bought for him as a thank you for bringing him to the concert and says.
1: I can hold on to both of these or you can wear one. Here, put this on backwards.
0: He looks at me and says.
1: Yeah, that looks good. You should know that's a good look for you here.
0: He grabs his phone and takes a selfie of us together and shows me. He's right. I do look good and I look happy and we look good together. We leave and he's no longer grabbing for my hand. He's not making sure I'm right with him. We get in the Uber and head to his house and he's hungry and spends the Uber ride trying to get his stepson's girlfriend to order food. We get back to his house and all sit in the living room waiting for the food. He's got his phone next to him facing down. I always find that unsettling. It's never a good thing. We sit there and chat and things seem better. He's bragging about me and my life coaching business and starts to tell them a story I told him about my grandparents. Tell them, he says, and smiles at me. After we eat and another couple hours goes by, he looks at me and says, I'm going to bed. You coming? We go upstairs and he apologizes.
1: Sorry, I'm so drunk.
0: Earlier in the night, he had said something weird.
1: You shouldn't sleep with me again until I come to visit.
0: That obviously wasn't going to happen tonight anyway. We go to sleep. The next morning, he's hungover. I ask him if he needs anything. A cold washcloth. He starts to fool around with me. This is what he needs, he says. I'm relieved because I really didn't want to leave having only that one time together. Although being hungover probably wasn't going to be the best either. After we both shower and get dressed, he immediately strips the bed to wash the sheets. I get this really bad feeling like he's trying to clear his room of me. Like, I'm thinking if we were at my house, I'd sleep in these damn sheets for a week before I wash them. But that's probably not a good thing, right? Cleanliness is next to godliness. I tell myself, don't make this mean something. It's not. We decide to go to brunch. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to meet his best friend today. So I get ready for brunch. And then he asks if it's okay if his daughter joins us. Of course, I am fine with that. but. I'm noticing that there's no mention of his friend. We go to brunch with his daughter. Apparently at some point he had changed the plans. Did he no longer think I was a prospect that his friends needed to meet? After brunch, we go back to his house and talk a bit and then he says he needs to do some work. He goes outside and I go upstairs and pack and cry. I just feel like it's over. Just like that, something switched for him, for him. And here I am, nothing's changed for me, but I no longer felt like a priority. And then I thought, maybe I never was the priority. Maybe just sleeping with me was the priority. How sad. We work for a couple hours and he barely looks up. Finally, he sits to take a break at the end of the pool with his feet in. I walk down to him and say, I really admire you. He had told me some terrible things about his upbringing and I was truly impressed by everything he was able to accomplish in spite of that. And I didn't say it to try to change his mind or to save things. I could tell this wasn't gonna happen. I think I said it as a goodbye. It was important to me that he knew that I thought he was something special. In the car the day before, when he was still
1: into me, he had said, You intrigue me. Things really matter when you say them to me. I'm really impressed by you. You're doing things that my girls don't see from other women in their lives. I go
0: back inside and sit on the couch. He comes in and sits next to me and puts his head on my shoulder. We sit like that for a minute and then it's time to go to the airport. On the long drive to the airport, we chat. He tells me he has so much homework to do and that he's going to study at Buffalo Wild Wings and tells me about the female bartender there and how they have cute nicknames for each other. We pass a restaurant and he tells me that he goes there a lot, either with women or customers or family. Women. He says that first. We get to the airport and he gets out, gets my bag and says, See you soon. He leans in and gives me a hard peck. Honestly, it felt obligatory. I walk inside knowing... This is the last time I'll ever see him. As I'm waiting in line, I recall a time not so long ago when I prayed to God. It was one of those times that I felt really uneasy about his feelings for me and thought maybe there were some red flags. I prayed, God, if this man is not good for me, take him away because I know I'm not strong enough to turn my back on this. I couldn't do it myself. I knew I wouldn't say no to him. So I guess my prayer was being answered. I wanted to unpray that prayer. As unhealthy as it sounds and is, I just wanted it to keep going. I wasn't ready for it to be done. He had asked me to text him when I got home. So once I was in the Uber line headed home, I texted. He said he had just messaged me on Instagram to see if I made it. There wasn't much correspondence over the week after my visit. He was planning to go to a remote fishing area in Canada. He had told me all about it and told me he wouldn't have service. He would be there with customers for 10 days. The only messages I got during the week before he left for Canada were in response to my Instagram stories. When I posted about getting a flat tire and getting asked out by the tow truck driver, he replied, Found your guy? I wanted to reply, yeah, and he's in Minnesota. Right before he left, he sent a message.
1: Off to Canada in the morning. Catch up in 10 days.
0: A week and a half later, Saturday morning, I noticed he was finally back on Instagram. The green dot. Active. And then active an hour ago, throughout the day he was on, and the same thing the next day, by Monday, I still hadn't heard from him. Honestly, I had secretly hoped that with all the time away, maybe he had time to think and maybe he realized he did want to be with me. But that's something you tell someone right away, not three days later. As I'm processing the fact that I might never hear from him again, my coach asks me if I'd ever reach out for closure. I think, well, maybe... Maybe just to thank him. I know that probably sounds lame, but in order to deal with the loss, I've been using all my coaching tools, focus on gratitude, understand why this is happening for me, not to me, and mostly remember this or something better. Besides, I'm mad, but more than that, I'm sad. I'm devastated, actually. I don't feel rejected. I feel discarded. I feel disappointment. You know that feeling of almost getting everything you ever wanted? I wanted him to be the one. I was invested in him being the one. I was sold on the magic. I was tired of waiting and wanting. I was all in. He checked all my boxes. Well, the boxes I had at the time. I've since added some, the most important ones, as a result of meeting him. And then, that night, he reappears.
1: How's my favorite comedian?
0: I feel happy to see the notification come through. And then I feel mad at myself. I start to beat myself up. He's going to treat you like that and you're still going to like him? What's wrong with you? Where's your dignity? What happened to you that you're not just over this guy and disgusted with his behavior? And then I get curious. Wait, yeah. Why is this not something that immediately turns me completely off? I note, okay, even though I've done a ton of work on myself, there's some work to do here around my self-worth in connection with relationships. Yay, more personal growth. Goody. I turn back to the matter at hand, his message. I wait and don't reply until the next day. And I don't say much. He messages me the following day again.
1: How's the one woman show coming?
0: I had been writing a one woman show. In fact, this podcast is the result of that writing. Instead of doing the show, I decided to make it the podcast. I tell him it's going great. And he responds.
1: That is fantastic. So proud of you for being a rock star.
0: I'm sad because I recall him telling me how he wanted to come see the show. He said he wanted to support me again. I asked him, well, how invested are you in the success of my show? Why, he asked. Well, because it's better for the show if we end up together. Well, Why? Because people love a love story, I said. Ugh, I miss our love story. Or rather the illusion of having one as I thought I was watching it unfold. And then nothing from him for another day and a half. So I pull out my notes app. I write him a nice note saying goodbye and that I'm grateful for our time together and that I hope he finds someone to love him and help him heal completely. I cry writing this. I wanted so badly to be that person. Looking back, I think, you didn't really know this guy. How could you have fallen so hard and so fast? But if you remember, he had tried to warn me on the plane that day. He said, women fall in love too fast. I wasn't in love, but I was definitely in something. I was like under a spell, a spell I had cast on myself. As I'm thinking this, something inside me, I can only call it my higher self, copies the note and pastes it into our Instagram chat and sends it. I am shocked. What just happened? Who did that? But then he responds immediately. Not, hey, wait, what do you mean? Not. Are you okay, what's going on? Instead, he simply said,
1: Thanks, Rach. Can't wait to see the one woman show hit the big screen. And I can say, I inspired that. You're an amazing woman who does amazing things for people. Keep being you.
0: Wait, did he just sign my yearbook? His response said it all. He didn't give a fuck that he lost me. Not one single fuck. He was probably relieved. It didn't seem to bother him in the least. Meanwhile, I was crushed. Why did I send that? I wasn't ready for it to be done, but clearly he was. So that's why. Ultimately, I didn't like the feeling of being so into a person who could take me or leave me. I was heartbroken. Heartbreak was not on my bucket list. Zero points. I think about all the ways I could have been different that may have prolonged the end of our relationship. Like maybe if I didn't sleep with him. Maybe if I had handled myself different. And then I realized I don't want to be less me for anybody. I want to be with someone who makes me more me, who takes the totality of who I am and enhances that and amplifies that, magnifies that. So anything that I would have done differently would have been a different, lesser version of me. I decided I'm no longer available to twist myself into a pretzel or to make myself small or different or to apply rules that are set to manipulate Or hack showing up as the best version of yourself. I'm referring to all the dating advice that tells you to show up in a certain way or do or not do things to give the illusion that you're more in demand than you are. Just be in demand. Just know your worth and value and act accordingly because sometimes things get messy and I'm not always the best version of myself and I need someone who wants that. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. In fact, I procrastinated writing this episode for so long and I cried so many times just writing and then editing it and even recording it right now going back over all the text messages and Instagram chat I actually started wondering again if maybe there was some sort of mistake or miscommunication I remember right after I sent the message his daughters who had previously followed me on Instagram unfollowed me I figured he told them it was over but Wait, was it over because I sent the message? Could it maybe have not been over? I mean, how could that guy, the guy who told me, do you know how often I connect with someone like we have? And you intrigue me and we can make this work. How could that guy just change his mind in an instant? In the weeks that followed, I cried a lot and doubted myself a lot. And I healed a lot. At some point, I had to tell myself, Rachel, stop it with the country music. It is not helping. If I'm being honest, and I'm sure you can hear in my voice, I'm still not completely over it. I think, well, I hope that finishing this episode will give me some sort of closure. I know he's not right for me. I know he would hurt me. I know he doesn't even want me, but I still miss him. I miss how happy I felt when I was around him. I miss how supportive his messages felt. He was always saying he was so proud of what I was doing. I miss having him in my life. But really, I'm just missing the illusion of him. It wasn't the real him. The real him was the one who showed up at the end, the one who ignored me, who discarded me, and who didn't really see me at all. What made things harder for me was that I was in love with the story of us, swept away in the serendipitous way we met and the magical dates we had. I wasn't in love with him yet, but I was definitely in love with the story of him. So here's a couple of things that I realized, and I'm sharing this because I've heard from clients and friends that this isn't so uncommon. The guy disappearing once you sleep with him and feeling discarded or the crazy amount of heartbreak you feel after that first real breakup post-divorce, even for a really short relationship. As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm big on what I can learn from a situation. Growth is huge for me. So I looked at what I needed to learn from this before I find my next real relationship because I want to heal anything that may have contributed to either picking the wrong guy or the anxiety that kept creeping in or wanting to settle for someone who didn't want me like I wanted them. One thing he showed me was how much I still needed outside validation from a man, especially around physical appearance. I have to stop outsourcing that so i put it on my list i also realized i don't want a project i want already assembled i want white glove delivery at the end of the day i'm glad that i slept with him i wanted it to be special and i wanted it to mean something and it was and it did to me what hurts is that it wasn't and didn't to him But when I let go of the need for it to affect him like it did me, a lot of my suffering is released. I choose to focus on my experience and my feelings and let him have his own experience and his own feelings. There's freedom there and growth and learning. So if you think about it, I'm the lucky one. I got healing, I got experiences, I got inspiration, the inspiration for this whole podcast. And what did he get? Another notch on his bedpost? Seems pretty unfair to me. Plus, have you figured it out yet? Having sex again was on the bucket list. It was honestly the number one thing on the list. I hate how it ended, but I love how it happened. I blocked him from watching my Instagram stories because one, it hurt that he wasn't responding to them. And sometimes he wasn't even watching them, which felt like a knife in my heart. But more importantly, I didn't want to be posting for him. I didn't wanna be in the energy of, hey, look at me, look at all the big things I'm doing. I didn't like that feeling, still seeking his validation, still wanting him to see me. My coach wanted me to block him completely on Instagram, but I wasn't ready. I thought I should be able to get to a place where it didn't affect me to have him on my page. I thought I was trying to get to a place where I didn't care if he stayed on my page, but what I really needed was to get to the place that I didn't care if I blocked him. Finally, I told myself, Rachel, he doesn't care about you. If he wanted to know what was going on in your life, he'd be in your life. Ouch, this is the truth. But what happens when my braces come off or I have my photo shoot in Nashville or the podcast comes out? I still want him to see that and be proud of me. Ugh, what was I, five? I had to love on that young part of me. No, that's not his job. That's your job. You see that and you be proud of that. And once I realized that, I blocked him on Instagram because I didn't want this podcast to be about him, about impressing him. I wanted it to be about me and about you. This podcast is for us, not him. And honestly, without this podcast, I'd probably be tempted to close my heart back up. So to you as the listener, thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing this journey with me and being a big reason why I'm willing to put myself back out there. While I was dating him or whatever we were doing and writing the one woman show, I said to my one woman show coach, he could just be a story or he could be the ending. As it turns out, he's just episode two and now he's all in the rear view. Hope you loved that episode of Love Before 100. To play along and get all the behind the scenes and bonus content, follow us on TikTok at Love Before 100. And be sure to come back next week to help me cross another thing off my bucket list.
1: Let's spend the...